Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Crosswires, the, uh, I think, self-described technology variety show that tries to look at cool things in tech. And this week we are, and I will apologise in advance, we're going to switch things up a bit. <laughs> oh, I had to, I'm sorry, I really had to do that. That's normally Jay's department, <laughs> folks. Jay is very annoyed at me for not being on this episode, by the way, but she's at work, so, hey. You know, I get I get the fun one. Anyway, so look, we're going to be talking, as you probably figured about, about the Nintendo Switch. We figured, well, you know what? Quite a big game's just come out, and there's so much speculation right now about what Nintendo are doing next. Let's talk about what they've been doing What for the last few... Well, six? How? Okay, let me introduce my guest first, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. Would you please welcome Chris Brandrick from Switch Weekly? How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, to answer the question, it's um, this is it's been out for six years, and we're going into the seventh. Wow, so it's been a hot minute. It really and and okay. Let's just first of all just say as it stands right now, everyone is awaiting Switch Pro, Switch Two, Switch Hate, Switch 4K, Switch yeah. XL, whatever people think it's all that hot jazz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously we'll talk about what we might expect later on but before we do that chris do you want to tell our lovely listeners a little bit about yourself and of course a bit about switch weekly as well sure yeah um so i'm chris i am a editor and writer of various newsletters but for the purposes of this discussion i edit a newsletter called switch weekly which has been around since 2016 which is crazy uh, that's before the switch even came out and it's a weekly digest, basically bringing together like the best of the internet from terms of like Nintendo reads. So if you don't spend all day doom scrolling on Twitter and you want to have a, like a roundup of the week, then that's what I try to provide with my email newsletter, which goes out every Sunday and lets you know kind of what you need to know about the week in Nintendo, basically. Best Nintendo reads, best like reviews, videos and stuff like that. In addition to that, it also includes like a list of what all of the games coming out are in like the next week, like the week ahead. So you can also find like your next game to add to your backlog as well. Awesome. And yeah, I, I'm subscribed, of course. And look, that's that's how I reached out to Chris because I thought, wow, this is a great newsletter. You know, let's invite Chris on the show. And we, we had a little bit of a delay due to a Mastodon, pri- um, should we say private mentions not being as visible as maybe they could be. That and um, me being kind of hit and miss with Mastodon. I haven't quite gelled with me yet, you know, mm. and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll open it for a week solid and use it every day and then I'll just forget about it. And then I'll, I'm trying Blue Sky as well. And then like I end up back on Twitter and like end up hating myself for spending so much time there. But it's one of those things. So, yeah, back and forth and like busy week with like it was like my, my wife's birthday and my son's birthday so like yeah but here we are <laughs> no re- really glad and uh because yeah chris, chris uh booked in the session I'm like, oh i'm so excited about this because as you know folks those of you watch our streams you know we play a lot of switch are just more so for chris's benefit i guess Ah, uh, we made the decision when we relaunched crosswise live which was right. jay's old channel and uh, you may know folks that our two our only two gaming devices that we stream content from well it's not quite true but primary steam deck and switch mm-hmm. we are both me and jay are both on max for our actual streaming so we can't really play games on those maybe apart from apple arcade but yeah switch so we play a lot of switch games to do a lot of mario kart but yeah so let's talk about the switch because what six years nearly six to seven years on and yep. it's still an amazingly popular console and mm. console is mate i'm not even sure how do you okay i guess that's the first question how would you describe the switch can because it's I've always called it hybrid because, you know, it is a handheld and it's a games console that you have at home. So, yeah, I've always just referred to it as Nintendo's hybrid console because that just feels like it fits and works, you know, for what it is in terms of, like, its versatility. Um, am I right? This is the first time that Nintendo have done a hybrid. They've not... They've And this is the first time they've never had a separate handheld on the market. Yeah, it was a bit of a thing at the time because they've kind of played this game in the past where if they wanted to take a risk like they did with the DS, when they revealed the DS, they, they were very firm to say, oh, this is our third pillar. And they, they, kind of, they used that phrase to kind of say, okay, we've got our GameCube, we've got the Game Boy, but now we've got the DS, which is our third pillar, which was them hedging their bets, basically, that if it didn't work out, they can fall back to the Game, to the game Boy. Excuse me. Obviously, the Wii U happened and um, 
the company was in a very different space. You know, they were like getting their feet wet with like mobile gaming and stuff and trying to just think about how they navigate to whatever might be next. And so putting all their eggs in their collective basket of a handheld and a portable made sense for them. And yeah, they, they, they announced at the time that, you know, obviously all of their development resources are now going to be shared because previously they had like a, a handheld Mario team and a handheld Zelda team and a console Mario Zelda team. Ah. So now they all come together. So their development resources were essentially beefed up by that and they're all working on the same thing. So yeah, uh, to answer the question, <laughs> that's a great. No, that's a great answer. And it's you know, I, 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 um, you know, my history with Nintendo has pretty much only been on the handheld side. I had a sec, I had a secondhand NES that very rarely got plugged in. But we, I've told the story. We never really had games consoles at home. I did later on, but I, you know, I missed out on this. Uh, I'm old enough, but I would have had a SNES if I was having a Nintendo content console based on my age it would have been a SNES and I had friends who had them but it's very interesting and I think I I do love the fact with the Switch that you've got that ability to dock it mm-hmm. and play it handheld and I don't do too well with the handheld because of the eyesight but right. docked is amazing what is it though because that is that maybe and that leads into our first sort of talking point what is it that makes the Switch so so appealing is it that dual existence or is there more to it I think there's, there's obviously a, a lot of things are kind of aligned here for them to to have the success that they've had with it. But I, I kind of go back to the when they first announced the Switch and they had like a, a press event in, I think it was January of 2017. And they had this like stage event where they told us more about it. And one of the kind of segments of that has always kind of stuck with me. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the person on stage now, but the person there was talking about how this device essentially is a culmination of 30 years of kind of like Nintendo's hardware DNA in one device. And they spoke about how, you know, obviously we've got like the the d-pad well not the d-pad so that's a really terrible example to start on. <laughs> um the kind of um i can't remember what the first example was anyway but in terms of it having like dna from all of nintendo's history like the rumble pack from the n64 and like the the analog stick from the n64 and um the touch screen from the ds and you know uh there was there was loads of like cooler da- examples in this kind of thing about how it brings all of their kind of hardware experience into one product and that makes it, you know, a, a kind of an appealing thing that can do lots of different things and work in lots of different situations. And I think that's kind of bore out in terms of how the variety of software we've seen on this thing. I think you're right. There's so much DNA. When you were saying that, I was thinking, and I'll just pick up my Switch. I was thinking to myself, I get such a vibe of the uh, SNES controller with the, hmm. is it the, oh God, is that? The shoulder buttons. The shoulder buttons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things they mentioned actually, that the, the additional face buttons and the shoulder buttons on the on the SNES. So yeah, there is that through line of all of their kind of prior additions, I guess. And this, one of the kind of novel ones in this kind of segment on the the presentation was, oh, even with the GameCube, we put a handle on it because even then we were thinking about portability. And I mean, it was a bit of a stretch, but it, you know, I'll give them it. <laughs> the, the same GameCube, but you know, everyone else is using DVDs. No, actually, no. Technically, they were DVDs. They were just technically mini, yeah, mini kind of things that you couldn't put anywhere else. No, yeah. and you couldn't. <laughs> Like, everyone else is doing DVD players inside their consoles, and Nintendo like, no, we're not going to do that, even though it could make us lots of money. No, yeah. we're not going to do no, that. No, bizarre. But yeah, generally, like, in terms of the, the Switch's kind of overall appeal, I think it is, like, that, that through line of the DNA, the fact that all of their teams have come together and they kind of got this singular focus, partly because of the fear of what happened with the Wii U, maybe, of, like, we need to get this right, and the whole kind of mobile thing, I think they, they hated the fact that they even had to go there. So there was a bit of motivation of fear, maybe. And they have just put out so many great games. And the form factor, it kind of worked. I think the thing with the Switch is that the timing of it is really, really interesting. Because if you think about like 2007, iPhone comes out, rise of mobile gaming, all that sort of stuff. And this kind of, the, the kind of relationship with the phone has been a kind of interesting one because I don't know about you, but I played a lot more f- games on my phone yep. 10 years ago than I do now. Yeah. Um, and that was just because of the novelty of it and things like that. But I think that with the switch, it's kind of having this like third place, isn't it? You know, like because you're looking at your monitor all day working and then you're looking at your phone all day because you look at your phone all day and you want something else and it's not, and it's completely devoid. It's con- dis- completely disconnected from the internet. I think it's a really interesting choice that the switch doesn't have a web browser. It's it's this isolated 
dedicated thing and it's, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but you know, it has that kind of solid appeal of like, this is a place you come to do this thing and you do it well. And it's versatile. It's a place you come to play games. And yeah. And it does that one thing so well. Very well. And you know, it's going back to the, the you know, the sort of a whole medium thing. Like, yeah, we'll do digital downloads, but we'll do old school, I guess, I don't, cards, card, cartridges. Cartridges. Yeah. Because I've got, this, I don't know. this is um, my proposed, well, no one will see this, but you've obviously got my Mario Kart yeah. um, cartridge. And I have to, oh, on the subject, I have to ask this. Have you licked? A switch cartridge, yeah. yeah. Chris is nodding. Yes, <laughs> yes. Day one, day one. Yeah. <laughs> that is an awful, yeah. awful taste. I don't know what they've done, but yeah, that it's some, I can't remember what the word oleophobic coating or something Maybe. like that. There's some sort of fancy word for it. Yeah, yeah. gross. But it, 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 yeah, I mean, it will hopefully stop kids swallowing the things. We'll, we'll see. Does its job. It does yeah, its job. Sure. And you know, when I go up to visit my my family. I, the one thing I always take is the Switch, even if I'm not taking anything else, because it will always be a case of, oh, let's play some Mario Kart, let's yeah. do this. Now, one thing, because we're talking a little bit of hardware, but one thing I wanted to quickly mention is that I have had greater success with a non-Nintendo dock for traveling, the Skull & Co. Switchgate dock. Okay. It's a portable dock, and what's cool is, I think, because I, I've, seeing problems you can't just um, talk hardware you can't just plug any old usb-c hub into this thing and expect no. it to work there's something no. odd some proprietary nonsense going on yeah there's some sort of weird handshake yeah well the skull and co doc will let you play will pass out into tv mode and let you charge in tv mode as well I'll put an embarrassing link in the show notes, folks, to the review I did of it as one of my very first YouTube videos for Crosswires. Please feel free to laugh because it is a terrible video. Uh, but it's be it's it's compact. It you know it pushes down so you can have it up. But it's much better than trying to ha- either having to buy another switch dock hmm. or trying to travel with it because I don't know if you've ever had to do that. I've always been tempted to get a second dock, chiefly so I can have one here in my office and just dock to my my working monitor but i never actually pulled the trigger on it i know genki did one as well um i seem to recall i can't remember his name now but yeah i've always been tempted but never actually pulled the trigger on it so i mean i'll have to take a look at your review because yeah even now i'm still kind of tempted by the idea of having something even though it's like six years in i mean because that's what i've put the primary i've put my actual main switch dock here in the studio i remember Switchgate is out in the lounge so yeah I've, i've switched that over but going let's talk hardware because I mean, the first thing we should probably talk about, I guess, is the processor because when the Switch came out, so this is it. Is it the it's the Nvidia Tegra X1 X1? Yeah. Now, unless I'm mistaken, that was an old chip when the Switch came out. Wasn't that in the Nexus Seven? I, I don't know about that. Um, I could believe it. Um, I'm not completely clued up on the kind of whole kind of SOC side of things. But yeah, I know like when the Switch came out, the Tegra X1, I think it was first released in 2015. So it was two years old already by the time like the Switch came around. So yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of long in the tooth now in terms of the, the process that this thing is using for sure. And it's, you know, it doesn't feel like it though. In most games, it plays Oh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, how well, how do you think that holds up now when we're in 2023 with the games that we're playing now? Firstly, I think the kind of overall kind of takeaway is it just speaks again to the DNA, doesn't it? Of like Nintendo always been like, what, what's that phrase? Using withered lateral technology, I can't remember the phrases, but they say something about using old technology in new and inventive ways. And this is a prime example of that. So people expecting 4K 120 FPS from Nintendo, you're not going to get it. That's not what this company's about. But yeah, it was old hat when it came out, but as ever, it's always the case, you know, people can optimize for these things. And we've had six, seven years of great heart, great software on this thing. And it's kind of the 115, 120 million units sold kind of shows that, you know, you work with what you've got and it's fine. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I've never, ne- I mean, I've had, I've had moments where I realized, like, for example, if you're playing um, local multiplayer on Mario Kart, Maybe there's definitely a, a frame drop, for, uh, or maybe it's just my eyesight. But I think maybe at four pl- four people, it definitely starts to feel a little laggy. Yeah, I, I think like 
a lot of it comes down to the optimization of the software. I mean, you look at certain third-party titles and they do not hold up or run as well as you'd hope them to. Nintendo obviously are masters at getting these games to run as best as they can on their own hardware. It makes perfect sense. It's that kind of harmony of hardware, software, blah, blah, blah. So for the most part, I think the conversation is kind of moot, like people complaining about performance and stuff. It's like, well, once you're actually on the device, you're having fun, you don't care. But that's that's just kind of my ethos about it. I mean, I'm not a bit of a, I'm not a snob about these things. However, there has been so much talk in the last 12 months, more than anything, around the um, Switch kind of performance issues and like people kind of saying you know this hardware's long in the tooth and for the most part i was like eh, it's just it's just here so you know it, it's it's fine it's still doing okay i mean i understand that the kind of cross-gen stuff is an issue in terms of like bringing like ps5 games over to the switch it's just increasingly going to become a problem and, and a no-go um so for the most part i was kind of like yeah but when i first launched tears of the kingdom i did for the first time ever with any switch software think ooh, that's a bit rough that could look a bit better and that's the first time I've ever had that with a Switch game. And I was I was surprised, to be honest. But 10 minutes in, I don't care. I'm having fun. <laughs> no, I'm not. I think my, and that's kind of been my ethos as well with the Switch. Is, look, yeah, because I uh, uh, had Doom on here. Mm. 2016 yes. Doom. It's more than playable. It, you're not, again, you're not talking, you know, 120 FPS. You're not t- even talking, no, well, I it's think not it's the best place to play it. <laughs> no, but if, <laughs> yeah. if that's you, and, and for me, for the longest time, until I got the Steam Deck, the Switch was pretty much my only console, my only gaming device. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, and things like, I mean, a prime example, uh, Wolfenstein. Oh, which one was it? Um, I think New Colossus. Right. The second one. They took bits of the, they blocked off bits of the world in the Switch version to avoid right. having to render as much, if that makes sense. Okay. And then, of course, I mean, we're, we're going to talk software, but there's things like the cloud gaming, the, like, is it Hitman, uh, the Hitman collection, and I think Control, Control. And, and another yeah. one. Um, but yeah, just, just, yeah, just remind me, Chris, on the, on the Switch. Because the screen itself, the handheld screen is 720p. Mm-hmm. What is it? Can you, you is it 1080 on, on docked mode? Or is it still 720? Uh, currently, like the actual resolution of the screen on the on the device itself is 1280 by 720. Um, so yeah, 720 on handheld, like you said. Um, yeah, you do 20, 1080p when when docked. Some titles don't hit that. Some will do like 900p or whatever. I don't know. There's there's differences, but yeah, 1080p when you're docked. And as you said, it, you, you don't, you shouldn't expect 4K out of Nintendo. Nintendo, so when the prime example of the Wii was in the same generation as the Xbox 360 and the PS3, which are all doing HD and, you know, HDMI. And, nope, forget yeah, about the Wii. 480p or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, yeah. if you were lucky enough to have the component cables, I guess, um, which I never did. We, we, my, Oh, I say actually that was my first. No, my parent. We had as a family. We had a Wii, and right. there's definitely DNA. Again, going back to mm. the DNA, there's so much DNA of the Wii in the Switch, particularly around the Joy Cons. So we'll- yeah, and that's that's one of those things with the Joy Con. It's like part of me thinks they're over engineered in terms of that they they pack so much into them. I mean, I'm glad it's there, but again, I, I, I it comes back to me thinking that Nintendo were hedging their bets and thinking they got to chuck the, the kitchen sink at this thing to make it work. So let's crab a load of features in. So, yeah. It's, it's very yeah. interesting, but it's only this year or well, no, last year, sorry, that we got a Nintendo Switch Sports. Yeah. They dragged their heels with that one. <laughs> really did, because you would have expected that to be a, oh, we had so much luck with this on the Wii, and maybe the Wii U. Let's not talk about the Wii U more than we have to. Yeah. Um, I have friends who have a Wii U, by the way, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm like, oh, really? Uh, Is it? <laughs> yeah, really? Um, yeah. I, I bought that console for Mario Kart 8 and Mario Kart 8 alone, and uh, then that was about it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know exactly what I mean, but... It, it, I think it does hold up well. You know, it's got de- from a console point of view, it's got decent connectivity, obviously Wi-Fi. It's got Bluetooth. It's got NFC for the Amiibos. Headphone jack, which is nice. I will admit there have been times where I've just sat with a nice pair of wired headphones with the Switch. The whole USB-C situation is a bit of a shame because, as we talked about, you can't just plug a, a standard thing in. Wasn't there an issue? Just I don't know if you can speak to this wasn't there a bit of an issue with third-party chargers bricking 
the Switch is charging. I seem to recall that being part of the conversation very early on, yeah, and Nintendo kind of raising the red flag around that and warning people off from using them. Um, whether that actually bore fruit in terms of uh, like there being problems with consoles, I don't actually seem to remember that being like a widespread thing. Um, I don't know if that just was a lack of people actually doing it or or what, but there was definitely some sort of issues around it. And I was like always a bit cautious around what I plug my switch into in terms of stuff. But now I I plug any old USB-C charger into it and it works. So I'm like, but that kind of fear allayed eventually. So yeah, I I tend to do the same. I use, I use like a, you know, like a, one of these multi-brick, you know, from a decent brand. Obviously, if you buy a dodgy charger, you're going to probably have problems anyway. Well, yeah, you're kind of asking for it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I'm charging my Switch now with my with my Steam Deck charger, so, oh. yeah. Ah, yes, because, of course, Fine. they are, well, they're almost identical wattage-wise. I think they are yeah. literally the same in that regard. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, on, on the kind of hardware stunt, actually, you were talking about like, headphones just then. It's kind of wild to me that it was five years into the console's life that nintendo decided to like say oh you can use bluetooth headphones now i'm like what yeah that took you could have done this from the start well but isn't there a <laughs> caveat to that as well in um, there's a caveat in that if you use bluetooth headphones you're limited to the number of contr- controllers you can connect yeah. yeah i think it like knocks it down from four to two or something like that which i mean for most people is fine but the fact that they had that limitation in place and they could have worked within that from the from the get-go to me was wild because i'm sat there with my airpods thinking i want to connect to this thing but ah <laughs> it was crazy didn't people even make like you uh, like little dongles little dongle things yeah, yeah. I- dongle town for nintendo <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah and apple <laughs> get criticized for dongles yeah oh yeah. dear the other thing of course is if you are not, a, if your Wi-Fi isn't amazing for whatever reason, mm. what I do like is that at least when you're docked, you can just plug in a, a Ethernet, any good old USB Ethernet adapter, and it will work. Yeah. I've, I'm using a TP-Link one, but I think on the whole, the hardware's okay. You know, you talked about though the, the Joy Cons being over-engineered, yeah. I think we have to talk about the problems that people have with yeah, us. Yeah, drift. Yeah, drift. Yeah, um, it's it's a huge problem, and and I was really disappointed actually in kind of how Nintendo handled it or and continue to handle it. Um, it's a bit of a blight on their otherwise kind of, in my mind, at least perfect reputation in terms of their hardware durability you know you, you can chuck a game boy down the stairs and it'll work you know it's it's one of those things like nintendo's hardware has always to me at least been rock solid really durable and really well built so the fact that these controllers again probably a victim of them having too much in this high space in terms of what what they're trying to do but that's that's their problem the fact that they let this get such a widespread problem and didn't fix it in any kind of meaningful sense where they put their hands up to it, because I understand why they haven't, because if they put their hands up to it, then they're liable to a lot more problems. But, you know, take a leaf out of like Microsoft's book and what they did with the Xbox 360 with the red ring of death, you know, that cost Microsoft a billion dollars to fix. But for me, at least it it was the right thing to do. And it it gained like consumer confidence and consumer trust back, you know, and the whole drift thing, they just kind of, kind of had her head in the sand about it and said yeah we'll fix it but we're not going to tell you that we're going to fix it i don't know it's felt a bit lame from nintendo this yeah where they've handled it yeah not not the same company but we yeah exactly with that hardware as you said reliability you know um what what can people because i think i've got stick drift i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. i have on on at least one of my joy cons and sticking oh i definitely do yeah yeah <laughs> Can people can people do anything? I mean, can can you get Nintendo to replace them? Yes, I mean, this is what I um, should mention. Actually, I run a, an annual survey where I, I ask people about um, various Nintendo Switch kind of things, and year in year out, it kind of highlights how big of an issue the drift is. And I always ask, like, if you have had drift, have you had Nintendo repair them? And if so, did they charge you? And for the most cases, Nintendo aren't charging for this. Okay, and if they are, it's like a nominal fee. Um, I've had mine fixed in the UK once before and it was free. Interestingly, in like six months ago, um, the EU and I think it's the CMA in the UK, I'm not entirely sure who the, the, the person responsible, the, the body responsible is, but they've basically come out and said, you know, Nintendo will fix these for free now, like officially. So, so one of the official staters said that, Nintendo themselves as well. Because up until this point, it was always a bit kind of like a, a gray area because Nintendo, you can, they, they have a repair program, but whether you're going to pay for it, it's kind of, you found out once you were in the process Ah, okay. and it was weird, like a weird gray area and the confusion around it. And 
now you can get them fixed for free. But yeah, this year's survey, out of all of the people who I, who, who responded, 63% said they had at least suffered from drift once, at least once. So it's a really widespread problem. It's gone down a bit year on year, but yeah, it's it's still a huge issue. Well, the fact that, that we're looking at still over half of the people. Now, and of course, that's more than likely actually higher because... Don't, obviously, don't take this wrong way. Not every Switch user is going to respond to your survey. No, of course not. Yeah. No, and I've just got like a small kind of enthusiast crowd, essentially. So they're they're the ones hammering the console hardest. So that, you know, the fact that they get drift is you know kind of baked in a bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's really widespread. It, and people complain. I mean, there's been jokes and memes. You know, people don't go out and be, buy new buy a new Switch for the for the Switch. Like no one buys the OLED Switch for the Switch. We just buy it to have a new set of Joy Cons. Yeah. And the, yeah, this this is a, a fresh pair from like Nintendo that I've had, and I was playing Tears of the Kingdom and trying to put some ingredients in a cooking pot and Link moves forward past the pot, and they drop them all on the floor. <laughs> so it's like because like, he just drifts forward. It's like okay, great. So yeah, this left stick of mine is definitely needing repairing. So it's maybe my, I'll do that. It's my right stick that's a problem, and it's very problematic right. in Mario Kart. Yeah, trying to drift to win, literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. And it, my accelerate, my I think what my A button gets stuck as well, so my acceleration goes a bit random. But hey, well, I'll, you know, I will reach out to Nintendo now and get them fixed. I, I yeah, get, do it. Yeah, I mean, but that being said, stick drift aside, one of the things I, I think, talking about over engineers and features, I have to say, this the switch is the first time I really had gyro controls. Mm. That I was spent a lot of time in, particularly in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, the gyro controls are amazing. Yes, I was about to say the exact same thing. It's where it gelled for me. Where it's a bit more explicit, like say in Splatoon, I didn't really care for it. Um, I felt it was a bit too heavy-handed. But like when you're doing like bow and arrow in Tears of Kingdom, Breath of the Wild, it's just that little bit of fine tune control that I really appreciated in terms of nailing the shot. So, yeah, I've been thinking about that this week, having played Tears. The only thing I struggle with, because I play, I'm one of those really cretinous people who plays like, you know, with the Joy Cons in each hand. I don't use. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So, trying to do some of the motion puzzles in Breath oh, of the yeah. Wild is a bit of a challenge if you're playing that way. Uh, when you're playing kind of split one in each hand sort of thing yeah i haven't done that in ages but that is primarily how i played breath of the wild when that first came out because and this is going to sound a bit weird but i'd be lying in bed um with like you know one of those like like laptop not laptop like ipad or oh, like tablet phone tablets things. yeah yeah those tablet stands like those arms i'd put the switch in one of them and have like the switch floating above my head with the split joy cons at my side in bed playing it was a great way to play um it looks ridiculous but it was fun <laughs> you, you are basically every like well, i was gonna say every cheap like ipad accessories dream customer aren't you basically pretty much yeah yeah, yeah those those cheap little plastic arm things oh yeah, yeah. they're ugly oh, but yeah gosh. To be fair, I have thought about getting one of those for my iPad. I'm not going to lie. Um, someone make one for the Steam Deck. Actually, no, the Steam Deck makes no sense because, well, despite what I, was it? Oh, um, I'd be worried about the weight of that falling on my face. Oh, gosh, you wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was nervous. Tra- I get very nervous traveling with my Steam Deck because it goes in my suitcase because I don't have enough room. And I always get nervous. I always watch my suitcase like a hawk, just praying that you don't get the person who thinks it's their, their right to move everyone's suitcase so that theirs will fit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, anyway. Let, let's talk, though, about, I guess, before we move on to um, game, the, the software and the games, let's, uh, we should probably talk about other controllers because I mentioned I've got another controller. I think I did, at least. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't, actually, when... when no, I did when we were starting to record. Um so Nintendo do their own Pro Controller. It's not bad. Bit pricey, but not yeah. bad. One question I've got to ask you. Do you miss analog triggers? Not really. I I, I like them. Mm. Um, I thought they were cool. I'd like to have them back, but I'm not like waving a flag like I want them now sort of thing. No, no yeah. fair enough. I guess, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, to be fair, the, the, the triggers are better at least on the Pro Controller than, than on, the, uh, on the Joy-Cons. But, yeah, I'd gladly take it for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, what's your take then on on third party controllers? Have you run into any actual good ones? Yeah. Um. I quite like the eight bit do stuff. Um. Eight bit do. Eight bit do. I never. I'm not sure how to say that. Um. I've got the. I think it's the eight bit 
SN30 Pro. Oh yes, Plus, which is a, I think that's is the that one, one that looks a bit um, like the SNES controller. Yeah, yeah, but with the prongs on the side. That, I think that's the plus. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's the um, I recently got the I don't know if you've seen this one doing the rounds. There was I think is the Nixie Wizard I think it's called, which Ooh. again a weird name, but it's like the split gamecube controllers oh so they this company came out with basically like a gamecube controller that you can split in half and use as split joy cons on the switch nice. and i love it i've been playing metroid primary mastered with it and it feels like playing back on the gamecube and it's really really fun um and i was pleasantly surprised at kind of like the build quality of it and stuff because it was one of those kind of like unknown brands to me at least but yeah that's a nice controller i'll try and find a link for you for your, yeah, for your show notes yeah, thank you. and what was the other one uh i don't know i'm drawing a blank now but yeah i've, I've used a few but generally, I just use the Joy-Cons. Yeah, no, fair enough. I'm using, again, because of a Joy-Con drift, I bought, and it's one I saw on a, a YouTube short, again, unknown name. It's for PXN. I, I mean, I think I've a, I'll show you. This is it. The PXN controller. That's oh, nice. Yeah. It's got gyro. It's got vibration. And it's got NFC. All right. Okay. And USB-C Sweet. charging. Yeah, it's nice, that. I like the colour of it. Yeah, it really is quite... We do it in a few different colours. And it was £25. Which, That's a bargain, yeah. The, the the split Joy-Con one I got, the GameCube one was like forty five, so a bit bit pricier. And and unfortunately, I've seen some garbage. I got one from. I mean, this is probably my own fault for shopping at game. To be fair, but I got the. <laughs> I think it was about fifteen pounds, and it's definitely fifteen pounds worth of Joy-Con, right? <laughs> uh, not Joy-Con control. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I do like some of the stuff, you know, and the Horvy pad things like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got that's that's the one I was trying to think of. I've got the Hori Split Pad Pro. Now, obviously, one, they don't. Which is fine. They don't. They. I don't think you can. They drain your battery, basically. Yeah. That, yeah. So they don't. Yeah. But some great, great controllers. I before we move because, of course, we should really talk about software. Have you used? I got. I didn't put this in my show notes, but I got to should ask. Have you used Labo at all? Because I haven't. I haven't bothered with Labo. Um, I bought one of the Labo sets and this was when my wife was heavily pregnant and I was like, oh, let's just sit down and waste some time and build these together. It'd be fun. And we built like the, v- had the VR set. I remember we sat down together and we, we built the, the actual goggles themselves and kind of had fun building that, put them on, played with the tech demos for all of like 10 minutes and then left the rest of the box and have never touched it since. I enjoyed it. The, the actual as I say onboarding sounds weird, but the kind of app experience of building the cardboard and the step-by-step process was really well done. And it was the sort of thing I think, you know, like, like I said, my wife was pregnant at the time. It was the sort of thing I thought at the time was this would be great in about six years when my son can play this with me. Yes. He'll really enjoy it. So um, it's still sat there in the box and he's currently four. So in a few years, maybe, you, I'll, maybe I'll play it with you him. You might be able to actually enjoy it. No, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, the one thing I will, the one sort of Nintendo, what should we call it? Um, Beyond the Switch experience, as in, you know, things that you buy extra that I really was tempted by. Not going to lie, Mario Kart Home Circuit was definitely yeah. a temptation. Again, <laughs> I bought that for Christmas um, this year for my son. I say for my son, it was totally for me. Of course it was. Um, <laughs> and again, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of play for 10, 20 minutes, an hour, and then you think, okay, I get the idea. It's novel. It's cool. It, it's actually quite nice. If like you lose something behind the sofa, you can send Mario under the sofa to find where it is with the camera. <laughs> it's kind of useful for that. <laughs> but in terms of the actual game experience, it's, it's actually fairly shallow, but the actual tech, the actual car mm. is really cool. Yeah. And the camera is actually decent quality on it. Um, and the AR stuff is kind of fun, but the actual gaming experience itself is unfortunately a, b- a bit shallow, I found. Yeah, because obviously you're not going to have more than the track that you can define. It's not... Yeah, that and like if you've got a small British living room like most people in the UK will have, you're limited on space. That was definitely designed for the American audience, wasn't it? Or maybe... Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I don't know how they thought... Because this is a Japanese company... How did they, I mean, I would love to know what sort of rooms they tested that in in Japan. Like, was that just tested over a whole house? Because Exactly, yeah. I mean, I know they, they they actually worked with an American company to make it, which says a lot. Um, I think they're American, maybe Canadian. I, I don't know, get it wrong there. But yeah, that says a lot, I think. Because I think, yeah, I, remember, I seem to remember when the Wii was coming out and they were talking about the, like, the industrial design of the Wii. And 
um, Satoru Iwata kind of requesting that it be no bigger than three DVD boxes stacked on top of each other in terms of the size of the hardware oh. because it's got to fit in the Japanese living room. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, interesting parallel between that kind of desire for sveltness and, yeah, you need a big American house to play this game. You know? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, uh, the one thing we can say about the Switch, even in the current generation, is at least it's not PlayStation 5-sized. I can't believe this, the size of that machine. I find it very unattractive as well to look at. No, I'm with you. It is not like the, the Xbox Series S and X are nice looking boxes. The yeah. Switch looks good. The Steam Deck looks good. But the pl- I'm, I'm going to offend people here and I'm going to apologize. <laughs> the design of a PlayStation 5 just screams to me, I'm a, I'm a console designed for playing FIFA and FIFA alone. <laughs> it's my cod machine yeah it's a cod machine, um, yes yeah no i, I think it's, it's weird actually because like sony obviously great industrial design kind of history and stuff but this device screams like i want to be seen mm. whereas for most of my devices like that you just want them to blend into your living room and actually work with your furniture and like fit in a media unit for one and these things don't and um kind of the one one point about the switch is that you know it kind of demands to be out because you can't like have it on its side at the dock you know it's kind of a bit awkward but yeah ps5 <laughs> no the, the switch <laughs> Not a fan. I, I think i mean because i remember the whole when we were launching it the whole thing was you that thing doesn't really live in the dock the dock is like a a thing you use but the switch yeah. is in it it again it felt like it was out it felt like you just you know the image they sort of had is you know you'll move it from the tv in the bedroom to the tv in the lounge to handheld on the sofa or in the car yeah um, and it does was you forget trying to take a ps5 anywhere just no no chance no. <laughs> all right let's let's talk games because the one i mean obviously look we've got great nintendo first party titles although but one thing I will say is but we should, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is effectively just an upgraded version of Mario Kart 8 from a Wii U. That means it's now been effectively, what, six, seven years probably since we had a brand it's longer new... Longer than that. Real... Oh, yeah, technically. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Since we had a brand new version of Mario Kart. But probably longer because Mario Kart 8 would have come out... 2014. So it's nearly 10 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, fair yeah. play the booster pack is actually pretty decent because Nintendo used to effectively, correct me if I'm wrong, you used to get a new version of Mario Kart with every gen. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. Every, every console since the SNES has had its own Mario Kart entry and you've only ever had the one uh, per console. And obviously the switch hasn't had its own version. um, If you want to think of it that way. So yeah. And the fact that this game came out in 2014 on the Wii U had a huge second wind of life essentially on the switch and has now gone on to sell however many it's gone on to sell i think it's like over 50 million at this point which is crazy and the fact that the last last year we started getting dlc for it yeah. who saw that coming i mean we all wanted it for sure but the fact that so many years down the line that this game is still getting support and it's still getting it's just crazy to me i, I love it <laughs> i remember when the new dlc the latest round the latest course wave came out we planned a stream all around that dlc and we we're like yep yeah, we're gonna play every every new yeah. new course that came out and that was great fun but yeah i mean there are great we, we've already of course talked about zelda and mm. i think there's so many great nintendo first party titles i mean for you is there anything that you think maybe nintendo have not done as good job of on the switch apart from mario kart are we missing titles i mean yeah there's like obviously there is certain things that i would like to have seen that hasn't happened yet chiefly f-zero yes um but purely like (laughs) with f-zero i would be quite happy with them just re-releasing gx or like remastering gx in kind of hd and adding online multiplayer and that would be sweet or even like um you know we had like tetris 99 and pac-man 99 or whatever make like an f-zero 99 where it's like a death race mode and you just gotta take out other people off the road like online and that that would be the only mode just release that as like a free thing for online switch online members if they wanted to have a taste of f-zero get people excited about f-zero and then you can do a full full fat version down the road and it's weird because like Nintendo kind of historically have said, oh, we haven't done a new F-Zero in 20 years at this point because we don't know what to do with the franchise in terms of making it, making a new interesting version. It's like, 
dudes, you've made 15 Mario Party games. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just it doesn't do have a, to be. Yeah. Do a remaster because look, it worked well with Metroid Prime. Yeah. Were, looks like it's going to work well with. Um, I haven't tried. I mean, it's actually one of the games I'm thinking about getting is the Advance Wars Reboot Camp. Mm. Remasters sell well. Here, here, here's my request, Nintendo. If you can get the license in to do it, can we please have a Switch remaster of Metal Gear Solid Between Snakes? <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. It's weird because that, that that's another series that has just kind of lied dormant for a bit. And that was one of the, the requests actually in this year's survey. I asked like what first party titles you think are missing, but also what third party titles. And Metal Gear was one of the kind of most common responses this year in terms of people want to see that series on the Switch in some capacity. Yeah. I was quite surprised by it because I, I was kind of surprised by the, the expectation that there would be that series on the Switch. Um just because of its heritage as seen being seen as like a as a, like a PlayStation brand yeah. primarily. Mm. But yeah, that would be sweet to see. Eternal Darkness as well was another one from the GameCube that I'd like to see come over. Um, so in terms of what Nintendo have actually done in terms of their output on the platform, I actually think it's been really good. Um, like they've had some really great mainland entries in most of their most of their big series. Um, there's some things they've, they've done better and just, you know kind of handled better, like the Animal Crossing and the New Horizons thing. I give them a bit of a free pass because of the like pandemic and stuff, but the fact that this game was essentially the game of the pandemic in terms of like you know it had this fever pitch appeal right at the it came out like march 2020 it was perfect timing oh, yeah. for them essentially and it was it was the game of the pandemic and the fact that they had this massive amount of attention on this game and their dlc kind of roadmap for it was kind of underwhelming i think they could have capitalized on that a bit better so yeah i will say mario odyssey great entry main mainline mario really Superb. gorgeous um yeah, I unfortunately, uh, I didn't lose my my copy of Mario Odyssey. I lent it to a friend for his kids to play. Yeah, that cartridge is long gone. Yeah, you know what? I thought I had the exact same experience because I um I sent my copy to my nephew about three years ago, and two and a half years later, it came back finally. But yeah, I thought it had long gone. Um, but that's fine. Yeah, um, it, it happens again. I would have liked to see some DLC there. Yes, um, we could have done a lot more with that. I mean, I will say, you know, of course, for the anniversary, the Mario 3D All Stars was great. Yeah, shame it was only a limited run. Weird choice. Very, I Nintendo got a Nintendo. Ah, it's Nintendo, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Zelda because Breath of the Wild launched on the Switch, but it also did, it launched on Wii U at the same time, didn't it? It was, yeah. A, yeah. I think that that kind of is what makes the whole story around Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom really interesting, actually. In that this was a game primarily made for the Wii U. Obviously, the fact that it launched on the Switch, it, it launched the Switch essentially. But that makes Tears of the Kingdom all the more interesting in my perspective because it's the same dev team and they've had six years to basically sit on that kind of because they're, they're using the same world as well. So they've they've been able to make such a rich experience here. Also, it literally is the same world just with more bits. Essentially, you've got like yeah, you've got obviously bits in the sky and bits below Hyrule as well. Um, that's not really a spoiler. Um, to suggest that you kind of got three times as much game here, which is crazy um, because that game was massive anyway. But it's really interesting that they get to work in the same engine and they've got most of the kind of world and assets built out already that they've had such a long time, that team, to build what they've created. And it it really does show that they've had this time to just really sink their teeth into just fine-tuning the experience to be as best it can because this game is something else <laughs> so i because on on the wii u was behind because you said it was made for wii u did was the wii u tablet your sheikah slate was that a thing or you know i didn't actually play it on the wii u um but i seem to believe that was the intention at least yeah and like touchscreen map stuff uh, whether they actually remove that or not in favor of just building one version okay. that worked on both i don't know i can't actually remember no. um because of course that's the, yeah. the thing about the switch is when it's docked there is no yeah. access to it you can't it is not a case of to you know you yeah you lose that kind of dual screen experience yeah. yeah which is fine and i you know i'm a big fan but it does leave the question which we'll come to uh in a bit is about the future now I guess we should, we mentioned cloud gaming, 
Mm. It's interesting to see, for me at least, a lot of games come have come to a Switch that I would never have expected to be Switch titles, like right. the Bioshock Remastered Trilogy. Mm. That doesn't strike me as a Switch, as an as a Nintendo console release. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because like, if you look at the kind of heritage of like Nintendo's past two or three consoles and their kind of level of third-party support, it's always been a bit limp. Mm. And I think the Switch, obviously being the story that it is in terms of how much it's sold, it's attracted such kind of white-hot attention from third parties and like different publishers and stuff that they're thinking, hey, this machine has got a huge audience hungry for games and they're nostalgic as well that they can play these things on the go. Let's port X game, Y game from five, six years ago because it's an easy win. So we've seen that loads. And I think, you know, it's kind of broken down that perception a bit, hasn't it? About like Nintendo's like family friendly image a bit because the Switch library is is so vast and so varied that it has truly got someone, something for everybody, you know, in, in terms of, I think there's like 7,000 games plus on the Switch now. It's, it's amazing how much it is. I'm just going to quickly go into my game library just to mm. give a bit of it. And I'm sure you could do a set. And I'm sorry about the background noise. That's, I mean, to give you an example. So look, I've, you know, obviously I've got, Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart. I've got all the NSL stuff, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I'm just making sure I've got just my games here. Okay, obviously Switch, uh, Nintendo Switch Sports. I've got Crisis Remastered. So yes, the Switch will... <laughs> Does it run Crisis? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I took, I took the, the gag off you there. That's all good. I was waiting for that. That's fine. I've got um, Carl, C-A-R-L by Nintendo. Oh yeah. 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 Good good game. I've obviously got Smash. I've got the closest thing I found on a Switch to a uh, F Zero uh sort of game, which is uh oh, what's it got? Fast RMX. Yeah. Um I think that was a launch title. Oh like, yeah. Near near as near as damn it, yeah. Great game actually. We've gotta say, I've got I'm skipping over so I've got obviously 3D Worlds. Uh I've got Bioshock, the Bioshock Trilogy, Among Us, Luigi's Mansion, um Red Faction, Gorilla Remastered. Duke Nukem 3D, the uh, 20th anniversary edition. Wolfenstein Youngblood, a game I won't mention, but involves a wizard um, and Lego, <laughs> uh, Celeste, and Hollow Knight. And that is such a different range of titles on one yeah. platform, which, again, as you said, notoriously Nintendo... It wasn't very... Uh, Nintendo haven't made previously required like games to remove blood and they've been very family friendly i don't know like how long that's been a thing i mean that was definitely a thing in like the early early like 90s you know like mortal kombat famously on yes. the, or was it street fight i can't remember i think it was mortal kombat on the on the on the super nintendo famously had like green blood or something that's like right that. yeah um so um yeah there is a history of that with nintendo and like that nintendo seal of quality used to mean something but now anything will get on the eShop. so um and to, to be honest for the most part, I, I kind of prefer this approach of them being a bit more hands-off and letting the consumer decide as towards, you know, what they put on on, the, on their own Switches. So, um, yeah. And obviously Nintendo themselves have published some some stuff that's a, kind of u- out of their usual wheelhouse, mm. like Bayonetta, for example. And again, some really great games. Now, as our kind of final four on... on well, maybe Final Four. I don't know. So software-wise, again, I love the game library. I I should ask you this: Are you do you prefer physical or you do prefer digital? I would like to say I prefer digital, but um, purely from a cost point of view, I prefer physical um, because, like Tears of the Kingdom, for example, it's it's sixty pound on the eShop. Um, I bought it for forty five, and nice. that's a big difference. That's a big difference. Um, sure. Yeah, and it's the fact that I can go out and get these games in stores at a discount because the retailers are willing to do it. That has kind of kept me on that physical kind of thing. There's a few games that I did buy um, digitally um, because I thought I'd be having them like on a lot. Right. So I wanted them to just be available all the time. For example, Smash Brothers and um, Animal Crossing. I both bought those digitally. But generally, no, I've kind of stuck physically for Nintendo first-party stuff. Everything else has just been eShop, you know. So, yeah, a bit of a mix. No kind of hard and fast rule on okay. it. Okay. No, I mean, I'm I'm much the same. I, I, I've got more digital stuff. And, of course, that meant I had to have a decent size SD card in my Switch. Yeah. I, I think as, as, as well that the fear around the digital side of stuff is what happens next. Because where do those games go? And for other platforms like Xbox and PlayStation, there's like a good lineage now of them kind of making your previous libraries accessible. And with Nintendo, there isn't that kind of... no. 
uh, safety of, in, in uh, you know of your mind in terms of like are these going to carry over? Because physical on a physical level, on the before the switch, yeah, the Wii you would play Wii. The original versions of the Wii would play GameCube. True, I yeah. guess the GameCube and like on the handheld side they've been great. In oh, terms of backwards compatibility. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, because like the D. Uh, when was it they removed the Game Boy slot? Was it with... Uh, it was like DSi? Or was it late? I don't know. Or DS Lite? I, I'm not sure. But yeah, like the the, the the original DS obviously had GB and GBA support and Game Boy Color obviously su- supported it. Game Boy Advance supported Game Boy games. So they've had a good kind of track record on the handheld side. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, a real fear going forward as to what they're going to do. But I think they know they need to not mess this up right yeah, right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and and let, let's talk then about uh switch switch online because mm. it, it's paid it's i wouldn't even say it's badly priced if you for, well because you've got the, the standard switch online you've got the individual and you've got the family yeah um family is what, eight eight people and it's not geo-locked no which is great Netflix, yeah. um, listen to that, please. It's one of those things. And obviously there's the, the, the second tier as well with the expansion pack. I generally am quite happy with it as a service. I think it's reached a point now where it's actually compelling. When it started, not so much. I think the way they handle like party and voice chat and stuff is, is still really not very satisfying. Um, there needs to be a much more native experience on the device, which ties into kind of friend stuff and things. But in terms of the actual you know kind of subscription side of it i guess in terms of you getting access to this library of games i think that's a really cool feature and so you know it would be nice if yes you had the option of buying these games on the virtual console if you wanted to do that but that's not for me i don't want to buy super mario brothers from the nes for the sixth time you know i'm not i've done that enough you know it's one of those things i'm quite happy to just dip in and out on the on the on the digital libraries here so i'm I'm pretty happy with it generally people i ask in the survey which i've mentioned um kind of around like satisfaction levels you know generally people think that you know the base level kind of service does represent good value for money it's not like outrageously priced or anything like that no not at um, all. the expansion pack people are less happy with i don't think they've got the offering quite right there personally i think they should just have one service and it should be the, the higher tier is just the one kind of yes. service maybe tweak the pricing a bit kind of meet me in the middle maybe i don't know but uh, i think it's, it's gotten to a point now where it's actually pretty pretty decent I will agree because in the last year, what we've had, so obviously we started off with NES and SNES. Then we got, now let me get the order right. Then we got, uh, well, I think it all happened at once. N64, well, no, N64 and Mega Drive, which is as a child of the 90s, that is still the oddest thing. Yeah, I bet it is. (laughs) It's seeing that Sega logo, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know why I said I bet it is. I'm also a child of the 90s. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like, because that was the thing, wasn't it? Like, the, you were either Sega or Nintendo, and... Yeah. You, yeah. That's Team Nintendo here. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, 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 I um, when I was deciding on my first handheld, um, yeah. I, I shamefully... Did you go Game Gear? I did. Yeah. I did go Game Gear. Did you have a, 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 a lorry load of Duracell batteries coming to your house every week, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. No, I bought what I bought like a I bought this grip. It was a rechargeable. It wouldn't have been lithium iron. It would have been this horrible battery tech because some like weird alkaline thing. Yeah, but you could recharge with a DC. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, these things like built to last, aren't they? Oh yeah, look at a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> Game Boy. I um, do you know? And it's very clear. You know, I've t- I, don't, I haven't done. I haven't really talked about it much beyond like bits on the stream, but. Whenever I look at the Panic Playdate, which I have somewhere yeah. over there, that feels like such a homage to that Game Boy. It really does. Yeah, it has that kind of joyful kind of playfulness about it, doesn't it? It does. I haven't got one, but from looking from a distance, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Um, I was very fortunate to be gifted one by a friend, um, right? V- very generous friend. Uh, anyway, uh, so but I think for me, then we obviously got N64 now. Great. The only problem I have with the N64, with one title in particular, Goldeneye. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to control Goldeneye um, on the Switch. Yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, like, before that came out, I was like, people are going to get whiplash from, like, not realising how badly this game is aged. And that game is great. Yes. I'm not trying to dunk on it at all. It's an amazing game, and I spent many happy hours playing it back in the day. But, yes, the controls, 
mm, they don't really translate into a 2023 kind of vibe. And I knew people were going to be like, whoa, this control's weird. And the weird thing is, for all of the like bluster and noise we've had for the past decade plus in terms of, I want to play Goldeneye, I want to play Goldeneye, I want to play Goldeneye. It came and it went and it's just been forgotten about. There's no, no one talks about this. Like, it, I don't know about you, but I thought like that game came out and then like the conversation was just zero. And what was really weird, because of course it went on to Xbox Live as well. Yeah. But they got the updated control scheme. Yeah. With, but with um, no online play. No online play, just like update, updated visuals maybe as well. Like, yeah. I'm not entirely, yeah. Whereas we got, no update to game to game controls. No real update to visuals beyond well, widescreen. I I don't know, mm-hmm. but no, yeah. But we got online play. But it's all very well saying, "Oh, we'll play it online" when it controls like an absolute dog. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird. Obviously, some sort of very weird kind of agreement that made everybody happy, but no one happy at the same time. Yes. It's very odd. It yeah. is very um, odd. But at the same time, then one thing that really excited me we. We're talking about Game Boy just now, like, like bring in the Game Boy games, yeah, and and uh, Game Boy Advance as well. I've had a lot of fun with those. Yeah, I don't know why. It's I don't know if it's just like the commitment to kind of get started with those games is so lower that I felt more willing to just kind of jump into them with the like. Whereas with the N sixty four stuff, a lot of those N sixty four games, like you got your money's worth, you know, in terms of like they had like a million fetch quests or, you know, there was just loads to do in those games and they were a big time commitment. Um, whereas the Game Boy stuff, I was just kind of jumping into them and like playing a bit of Super Mario Land 2 or uh, on the GBA, Kuru Kuru Kururin, which is a great puzzle game and everyone should check that one out. So yeah, um, I'm really happy to see the GB stuff there and I was pleasantly surprised to see the GBA stuff turned up because I, I really did think they were going to milk that and like add that in like an extra year, you know, because they've been dragging their heels a little bit with adding new platforms. So to have them both come and turn up at once was great. And and I will say, I, I'm so happy when playing Metroid Fusion. Mm. That's a great game. I hope we get more Metro. Uh, there's rumors that we're getting um, Metroid Zero Mission at some point. Mm. That'd be nice. That'd be really Because then yeah. I think then you'd have like every 2D Metroid game on one platform. No, Samus Returns would be the outlier at that point. But yeah. You'd be near, nearly there. Nearly there. And I mean, I can't, I can see. So just thinking about what they could add going forward and probably won't, but GameCube in theory, they could do. Yeah, I don't think they will. But no. Yeah, they could do. They could. Yeah. But you, again, I can't, but you can't, I can't see even once they start hitting, well, you couldn't, you probably couldn't do DS. No. On a Switch. Unless, unless it was some sort of weird vertical kind of hold. This is like that and Ooh. play it this way kind of no. setup would be weird but um well, then you can't play dots. yeah and there's like no camera or there's no like microphone to blow into i don't think so maybe there is actually i don't even know with the switch um <laughs> i think there is actually um yeah i think at this point they're kind of done with like nintendo platforms um i could see them maybe adding some kind of more th- like other kind of rival platforms like maybe like i don't know um what's it called like a neo geo or um oh. uh, turbo graphics sort of stuff maybe i could see them doing that but it's not exactly going to set the world on fire in terms of excitement but it'd be a nice to have and to be fair people who want to play those platforms either have them or they have other means yeah they use like emu deck on, on the yeah yeah on, on the deck uh, yeah which is great by the way and obviously um that is another way to play uh, play nintendo games just maybe not as legally as we'd like to yeah yeah. talk about just take you taking up your own roms and that's perfectly fine you're just dumping your own yeah. stuff that you already own of course yep. yes <laughs> it's absolutely fine yeah absolutely fine well yeah. i know nintendo are very litigious about their, their, their ip um yeah very much i can uh yeah i can i mean there was that guy recently wasn't he who he was he was in prison but doesn't he owe him something like what is it? crazy amount of money he's millions gonna, isn't yeah it, he's sure. gonna be repaying it for life basically yeah All right as as we wrap up then because I very much appreciated your time, Chris. Um, right. Let's talk about the future of... I don't want to say the future of the Switch, because like, there's nothing making... I mean, apart from me... Because the OLED wasn't is not a spec bump. It's just a screen quality and screen size and a mm. nice little addition to the dock is, you know, Ethernet built in. 
But and they actually put a decent kickstand on it. Yes, that is true because that <laughs> thing is atrocious. Yeah. That's flimsy. Yeah, it's so flimsy. Yeah. I mean, how many? But switches yeah, it wasn't have... a spec bump. You're right. Yeah. How many switches have had their kickstands broken? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so weak. What do we? I mean, because you've obviously been picking apart all of this stuff for Switch Week Weekly. Where are we at at the moment? With like, what is the general consensus on when and what is next? Yeah, it's tricky um, because like, I kind of go back and forth on how I think they're going to approach this because, you know, Nintendo are going to Nintendo. You can never kind of predict which way they'll go. It always feels at least that they need to, they can't just rehash what they've done. That's not their style. But part of me hopes they really do. Um, it's like the NES to the SNES. Do that and don't try and mess up with what you've got because you've got a good thing going on. Whether they do or not, we'll see. But I think a lot of it ties back to kind of the system on the chip and what the kind of relationship they have with NVIDIA. Because obviously, like, broadly, like, NVIDIA is kind of standing, I don't know, with, like, other console players. is not, I don't know, it's kind of up in the arms, isn't it? But I do imagine if Nintendo are smart, they'll want to have, like, a custom chip set for their next Switch and kind of maintain backwards compatibility. Because if they don't, can you imagine? But I'd be quite happy with a, with, with a spec bump, to be honest, because... If they can keep the Switch experience and offer it in a, in a more kind of high-fidelity way, I think that will satisfy a lot of people. All your games are backwards compatibility, and it's 4K docked, it's 1080p handheld now. That would be fine. It's got a great battery life. It's got, I don't know, 512 gig of internal storage instead of a measly 32. Or, I don't know. There's loads of little things they could do that would probably get them another five to six years, to be perfectly honest. I, I could see that. And of course, you know, well, because... I might be wrong here, but the, the the NVIDIA Tegra chipset is just an ARM chipset. Mm. So, I, I, again, I'm not an SOC expert, but if they could pull off something as power-efficient and powerful as Apple's M-series and A-series mm. chips... Well, exactly, yeah. You know, and, again, increase the storage. Um, f- give us better Give us better Joy-Cons with... You know, hey, why not have? Is it Hall Effect joysticks? Why yeah. not just give us? Yeah, d- make up, make it, make it a bold. We screwed up. Here's some really yeah. good joysticks in our next console. Yeah. The other thing I'd love to see, which people, a lot of people who, are particularly at the moment, want to screenshot uh, Tears of the Kingdom, make it easier to get screenshots off a damn thing. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It's horrible. <laughs> it really is yeah. awful. And I think battery life is it, again, as you said, is a big thing. Let I really hope to do backwards compatible. Keep this, keep these, because there's no reason they can't increase the capacity of the, the chips inside of no. these. No, not at all on the cartridges. Yeah, yeah. I think there's the, that. That's kind of like the the obvious route for them. I think, isn't it? In terms, I mean, people calling this thing a Switch Pro for years, they're never going to call it that. Um, <laughs> Nintendo they make Pro, they make fun toys. <laughs> you know, they're a toy company. But but part of me feels like they might just ditch it all and throw it all away and say, here's this new thing that waggles in 3D. I don't know, you know, <laughs> with a VR thing attached to it. They could go completely out of left field and just really surprise us because that's what Nintendo do. But part of me hopes they don't because I think I've just like, I've enjoyed the last six years as a Nintendo fan. It's been good. We've had really great software. They've got a really cool novel solution that weirdly, not weirdly, but surprisingly the other players like, xbox and playstation aren't doing so they've got the kind of protection they've got a moat around themselves i guess um obviously the steam deck and other kind of portable handheld devices like that are kind of proving their concept in a way but also kind of coming for their market in terms of especially around the indie kind of side of things but primarily i don't actually think it's that big of a concern i don't think the, the steam Deck's going to sell gangbusters i think it will do very well the valve and they'd be very happy with it but we're not talking 120 million like the switch you know they'd be lucky to get to 20 to 30 i think with the kind of current setup of what they've got and especially the fact that you can't get the steam deck at retail um yet um so yeah i just hope nintendo do more of the same which is kind of boring for them but hopefully they kind of it's what we want for once yeah it's it's what i think a lot of people want and like again i mean to be fair they could just try virtual boy 2 (laughs) that'd be really wild i i i will (laughs) never ever i know it will not work for my eyesight i'm not gonna try it uh neil down at rmc retro does have one but it is locked in case because i I don't think he's i don't know i think he said he'll get it out if people really want it as long as the sick bags on standby yeah i would be curious to try one i've never actually tried a virtual boy 
but yeah, I'd love to give it a go just to kind of see what the fuss about and kind of how that thing even got to market. Um, it was just very weirdly placed. It feels like they were just kind of placating um, Gunpei Yopoi in terms of like, yeah, you can release this weird thing. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, just quickly as a final thought for me, just a movie recommendation. Mm. Sort of ties into Nintendo. Tetris. Right. With, um, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Um, I, I can't remember his name at all either, but. Um, um, Egerton, um, someone Egerton. Um, something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but anyway, um, the guy from uh, Kingsman. Yeah. That is such a great story of that game. Um, apparently, it's based on a true story, but for me, there's a scene where we see the Game Boy for the first time. Yeah. It is just. Yeah, that's cool. Everything about that is beautiful. And the fact that, yeah. what was it? They said, you ship it with Mario, you'll sell a couple of... To hun- kids or whatever, yeah. yeah. You'll sell it to kids. But ship it with Tetris. And you'll sell it to everybody, yeah. It's incredible. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Where where can people find uh, Switch Weekly and any of your other content? Well, yeah, first up, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, they can find the newsletter over at switchweekly.com. And I send one email every Sunday. That's all you get. I don't send anything else so you, 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 your inboxes are safe um and it's a good read Eight thousand people agree with me that it's decent so i must be doing something right yeah switchweekly.com for the newsletter i also am deputy editor over at overkill.wtf and that is uh we're the main <laughs> and that is a gaming publication kind of focus on the future of tech we kind of talk about like gaming handhelds like like the steam deck for example um like arvr and like cloud streaming tech so if any of that sounds of interest that's over at overkill.wtf um we've already mentioned the survey but there'll be a link in the show notes to that i'm sure and if you want to find me on social um I guess we'll plug Mastodon this week because that's where everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And again, link in the description for that. Um, I'm at Brandrick on the dot social server. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. It has been a pleasure, folks. uh, I'd love to, you know, what, what's been your experience with the switch um, or any Nintendo console? What do you hope to see? Send us an email over podcast at crosswise.net or come and join the Discord server and have a discussion. There will be um, a uh, discussion thread post thing for this episode that Jay lovingly puts together every week for me. Uh, and come and have a chat with us. We're a friendly bunch. We've got, we have, we have a dedicated video games area as well. Come and chat about games. No Tears of the Kingdom spoilers, though, because me and Jay will be yeah. very annoyed. Um, yeah, I've had to create a Tears of the Kingdom spoiler thread on my Discord just to keep it all out of the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Discord is such a wonderful thing for communities. I I am really loving the community we're building there. Um, if you haven't joined yet, folks, um, come and join. We've only got a few little rules, and it's just just things for everyone's safety. Um but come and come and join us, and um, and uh, ah, and with that, I'll come pop in. Yeah, yep. I'll come and join. Absolutely, Say hello. yeah. I'll, I'll give you an invite link when, when we're finished. Cool. Um, awesome. With that, folks, we will roll the outro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post, or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode, and we'd love you to join the discussion there. You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at mastodon.social. And of course, you can find me showing all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. More of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live for our upcoming streams. If you like what you heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko-fi.com slash crosswires. That is ko-fi.com slash crosswires. Until next time, thanks for listening. 